Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, June the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. And we're going to be taking a look at a continuation of a study on the book of Proverbs. The reason I like Proverbs so much is it not only is give us an insight into God's mind, but many of the Proverbs, and a lot of them are only two statements long, I don't have any idea what they mean. And the book of Proverbs is a great example of how you need a trained pastor to help you understand what it's talking about. Now, many books of the Bible are historical. Like most people can read the book of Matthew and understand about his crucifixion, his resurrection. They, they can understand that's what it's talking about. But the book of Proverbs is the wisdom of God. And it is to those who have wise and foolish behaviors. So when you start with verse 11 of Proverbs 21, when a mocker is punished, the simple becomes wise. Now, there's a lot of words in Proverbs that refer to unbelievers. Mocker is not one of them, or simple is not one of them. These are people who are not so much unbelievers, but really having problems in understanding God's wisdom. So Solomon here, writer of the book of Proverbs primarily, is speaking to his sons. And when his son who is a scoffer or mocker, is punished, he can become wise. This means he gets to know more of what his parents' desires are. And the more he gets to love his parents, the more he's disciplined by his parents, the more he becomes wise as to the way of life. Uh, last week, we gave a sermon, it was on Father's Day, uh, making note that in Illinois, over 70% of the children born into black families do not have fathers. And there was a very big conference among important black people showing how that is a disaster for the black community. For those who are Hispanic, it was in the low 40s, children who did not have fathers. But for white people, it was also in the 30s. And so not having a father can really make a difference. Yet I was in a congregation that had a number of parents that were only a mother. And yet they were doing a wonderful job in bringing the children up. But they still 
were always kind of driven by not having a father figure to help them out. Some of that came about because the government began giving money to mothers who were not married. The more children you had, the more money you got. So it's really hard for a single mother to raise up a scoffer because he can become wise as he is punished. But the last part of the verse says, when a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. That's referring to Luther's commandments. We should fear love and trust in God above all things because he has the ability to send us to hell, but he doesn't. And you become wise when you are instructed by Jesus Christ and you gain knowledge. And the more you get to love Jesus, the more you obey him. It's called the life of sanctification. Verse 12 of chapter 21. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. Now, you would think that the righteous one refers to God himself. And that is true. He observed the house of Adam and Eve when they disobeyed him. Another way of saying it, the righteous one pays attention to the house of the wicked. The righteous one can be man or God. In Isaiah 24, verse 16, the righteous one refers to a human being. But he throws the wicked down to ruin. Doom is in the hands of God. Remember, vengeance is... We're looking at Proverbs 21, and verse 13, we were at when we went off the air. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Whoever closes his ear is in a verbal form, which means whoever keeps shutting his ear to the cry of the poor. When he calls out to God, he will not be answered. This is backed up by Matthew 5, verse 7. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The merciful are those who do not hold the person responsible for sin. And therefore, they themselves will receive mercy, allowing God to bring vengeance if necessary. Verse 14, a gift in secret soothes anger. Now, this could mean that the person is giving a gift to someone that is angry with them. This could therefore be a, a sinful reason 
in giving a gift. You often heard an apple to the teacher. Why do they give an apple? So they get better grades. So giving a gift in secret does avert or soothe anger on the part of someone else. But a lot of times you can't tell whether that gift is from a sinful reason. Verse 14, and a concealed bribe soothes strong wrath. In in other words, it's difficult to distinguish when someone is being nice to you because they're really trying to make it up to you what has happened between you. Or they are just trying to assuage your guilt and they know they're doing that by giving you a secret gift or a concealed bribe. Verse 15, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. We see that throughout the whole Old Testament. Justice was done to Adam and Eve. They sinned against God. Well, it wasn't until Genesis 3.15 that God promised them a Savior. And that became a joy. Eve really looked forward to having Cain as her firstborn, thinking that this was the Messiah. But he was the first murderer instead. When justice is done, it can be a terror to evildoers because it can result in their destruction. Look how many people are in jail. And they are in jail a lot of times because they did not have proper fathers to lead them into a right relationship with God and with the world. So when justice is done, it can be a joy to the righteous, but it is terror to evildoers. I mean, why, when you get stopped for going over the speed limit, you immediately began to give the impression, well, I was in a rush to get to my job, or I wasn't aware what the speed limit was. You'll use all kinds of excuses because you have terror because you know that you may get a ticket when justice is done. Verse 16, one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Now, good sense in the book of Proverbs means understanding God's will. And when you wander from the way of God's will, you will find your rest in the assembly of the dead or in the company of the souls of Sheol. That's found 
in Proverbs 1, verse 12 also. Sheol is the place where unbelievers go to when they die in preparation for them going to hell. Remember we talked about in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into hell. He did experience hell on the cross where, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's not the hell that is spoken of in the creed. That refers to what is happening in First Peter, where Jesus is raised from the dead by the Spirit and then descends into hell to preach victory over those spirits in hell. And who are those spirits in hell? Take a look at First, uh, First Peter, and you'll find out that they are the saints of those who died in the flood of Noah because of their unbelief. That's the assembly of the dead. That's Sheol. The Christian instead, when he dies or she dies, their spirit immediately is with Jesus, waiting the time when their bodies will be rejoined to their spirit. And that occurs on the day of judgment. That's the great festival of judgment, where all those who are believers in Jesus will be saved from eternal damnation, and they will live with the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They will rest in the assembly of the living, not in the assembly of the dead. Verse 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, and whoever loves wine and oil will not be rich. Now, this is from God's point of view, because there are people, they love pleasure, and they can afford it. They can get trips around the world, etc., but if that is what their pleasure is, they will be a poor man from God's point of view. Why? Because the word poor means that you don't have anything to offset your sins. You trust in your own works. This is a law and gospel point of view. One who wonders and loves pleasure will be a poor man because he's focusing on his temporal gifts. And he who loves wine and oil, which is really pointing to them being rich in money, will not be rich in the spiritual sense. They will be poor. That's God's point of view. Verse 18 is really important. First of all, it's hard to understand. The wicked 
is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. What does that mean? Well, if you look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's talking about Jesus. For our sake, God the Father made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. That means Jesus has been declared as the wicked one because he paid for your sins. He paid for them by suffering on the cross, being forsaken by the Father, which means he was left alone on the cross. No angel was there to help him through that problem. And that's what he really had worried about in the Garden of Gethsemane, that there would be a father who would not be with him. And if you read the Athanasian Creed, you can see how close the two persons of the Father and the Son, as well as with the Holy Spirit, are. Jesus, the wicked one, becomes a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. What does that mean? Well, who considered themselves upright in the day of Jesus? That were the unbelieving Pharisees. They didn't need God. In fact, they were doing fine without God. And they crucified the Son of God because he was a traitor to their cause. They believed they were saved by their works. Jesus says, no, your works are of your father, the devil. And that, of course, was being a traitor to the upright. The traitors were treacherous people who did not believe in the necessity of the Messiah. And that's why Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, was declared to be a sinner, so that in him our sins would be paid for, and you might become the righteousness of God. Uh, verse 18 is probably the most important verse in this chapter 21 of Proverbs, because Jesus, the sinner, becomes a ransom for the righteous who will be saved. But for those who think that they are upright and don't need Jesus, they consider him to be a traitor. Verse 19. Now, this is a somewhat common theme of an earlier passage in Proverbs. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Now, what does it mean to be fretful? This is an ill-tempered wife. It doesn't matter 
what you are doing, but she's always challenging you. She's also always saying that you are wrong. This isn't referring to normal arguments that husband and wives have with each other, but this means that the woman does not have the knowledge of God and therefore is always quarrelsome and is better, therefore, to live in a desert land. But Solomon is writing to his sons, and so we can understand that he says it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. It also would be true. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful husband. Both are not good. (coughs) Excuse me. And therefore, it's very important that when your children are deciding to get married, it's very, very important that they get married to someone who is of the same faith and has the understanding of God and is willing to gain more knowledge and is not an ill-tempered spouse. That's really important. All, All you need to do is take a look at programs on television and you will find hundreds of examples of people who are living together, not married, and that relationship is falling apart. What did they expect? Because they have closed their ear to the cry of the poor, and God throws the wicked down to ruin. So it's not only a sin to live with someone apart from marriage. It also will lead to great quarrels, ill tempers, and problems. And God has warned you of that. And that was warned in Proverbs chapter 21. Then the last verse of 21 for our study right now is verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Now, wait a minute. Verse 17 says that he who loves treasure and oil will not be rich. Then how can precious treasure and oil be in a wise man's dwelling? Well, the next part explains it. But a foolish man devours it. In this case, the word foolish can also be translated as greedy. So, verse 17 talks about those who focus on loving wine and oil will not really be rich in God's sight. 
But verse 20 says, there can be a wise man. That means one who understands God's wisdom. And he does have precious treasure and oil, but he does not devour it. In, in other words, this verse is about foresight. You can have wonderful gifts from God, but you look to the future and thank God that you have them in the present. And you give him praise and honor for the blessings he's given you. And do not become greedy in foolishly devouring them. That's really what verse 20 is talking about. And I know of people who even were millionaires, and yet they use much of their money to focus on the building of strong relationships between people in helping them out, giving them food, etc. So you can have precious treasure and oil, but you are not greedy devouring it. Once more, some great insight from God's wisdom, as we have found in Proverbs 21. Join us tomorrow as we continue with more study on law and gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.